All right. Getting the crowd out, didn't it? Great for our kids. Um, thank you, brother. You can go to First Kings nineteen if you want to. Um, we'll get we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, we've been talking for several weeks now about uh, living our lives for the Lord, and uh, that key verse that we've been building off of has been telling us that it's our reasonable service to offer our lives up as a living sacrifice. Amen. The hope is that through these messages we'd be learning and growing and thinking more about our lives as Christians. How are we using our lives? I hope you think about the things that happen at church when you're not in church. I hope you think about the messages that are preached and the songs that are sung. Uh, these are not just for an hour while you're in here. These, I, I honestly believe that God has, has decided to use this form, this this what we call church, preaching, teaching, singing, all these great things, worship. He's decided to use that to change us, to make us into something uh, different, to make us better Christians. And so we should be examining ourselves all the times and asking ourselves, how can I use my life more for God's glory, right? Even more each day. What else could I be doing with my life to magnify Christ in the world and then acting on the sermons that you hear and acting on the things that God speaks into your heart. As followers of Christ, we should uh, be working towards getting stronger in Him. I, I don't think I could ever say it enough. Once we're born again by, by grace through faith in Christ, once we have surrendered our lives to Christ and come to Him in repentance and faith, our citizenship transfers. Right? We're no longer citizens of this world. We're, we're strangers in the place we once called home. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's not the same as it once was to live here. We've become citizens of God's kingdoms. We go from enmity with God to being accepted by God. We've been reconciled to this God through Christ. There's no other way, by the way. I don't know everybody's circumstances in here this morning. But there's no other way to be reconciled or to be restored or made right with God other than through Christ. That's the only way. He's the only way. This is what the scripture says. It says for in we were enemies. Romans 5, 10, 11. It says for if we were enemies and we were. The condition we had when we were lost without Christ when we did not believe in Christ when we did not have faith in Him is we were enemies. He said but we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. I, uh, this morning, if you were able to rejoice at all, and I hope that you were, your rejoicing should be in the fact that you have received reconciliation with God through Christ. Where you were once an enemy of God, where you once uh, uh, were uh, under the wrath of God, you abided in condemnation, you were dead in trespasses and sin, Christ has gave you life for those that believe. That should be enough to praise Him for this morning. Amen? Amen. That you say, well, I just didn't like, uh, I didn't like the, the, the Scripture John read. I didn't like the songs that were sung. That doesn't matter. Do you like the Savior that they were sung to? Right? Do you like the Savior that were written? That's what matters. That's what gives you the heart of worship this morning, right? So it's because of what Christ has done for us that we should set our minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. We live for the day that's approaching, right? Where the Bible says we live for the day that uh, uh, when He appears, we'll appear with Him in glory. We'll get to be with Him. I hope you're living for that day. This morning I want to build on that thought, continue building on that thought about offering our bodies our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. I want to dive into the scriptures and look at the call of ministry. Now, here's what I know. Just as I say that word ministry, some of you will say immediately, well, this message ain't for me. Right? I, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I don't intend to be any of those things. I don't have some big calling on my life. So this isn't for me today. But I, I ask that you think differently this morning and pay close attention and really let the Scriptures speak to your heart. Ask God to help us all to see the truth this morning. I, I think 
that these scriptures will speak to you. And, and maybe there might be some in here this morning that have a misunderstanding of what ministry really is. Or maybe you've been praying for direction and asking God how He wants to use you and use your life. Or maybe you've been thinking about how you can serve God differently than what you are today. Whatever the case may be, I'm hoping that we might be able to help shine some light from God's Word and something will happen in all of our hearts this morning. I don't believe that just some messages are for some people. I believe all messages are for all people. Amen. I believe we all need this this morning. So if you go with me to 1 Kings 19, I hope you're there by now. Uh, let me tell you the story behind this. So this past week I've had um, Elijah and Elisha on my mind all week. And I was thinking about this message throughout the week. And I'll be honest with you, this isn't really the message I wanted to preach. Um, uh, I, I, I tried to figure out maybe if I, I thought there a different thing. And as, as I would look up other scriptures and try to go a different direction, I always ended up back here and so yesterday morning I got up and I went into study and I grabbed it I went to the bookshelf and I grabbed a different Bible than what I normally study out of I just grabbed another one out of the bookshelf it had an envelope sticking out of the top of it and I said well I'm going to open that Bible I'll see what that envelope is and I opened it it was 1 Kings 19 right and I said okay I'll give it up uh, and and I'll, I'll preach 1 Kings 19, right? I'm not saying that the Lord stuck an envelope in my Bible at home. I, I'm sure that I did that at some point, but it was just confirmation for me that this is where I needed to be, right? So this is what I'll preach, and I'll quit worrying about what I want to preach and try to worry more about what the Lord would have us to hear this morning. It's not a bad message. I don't think it'll wake Hannah saw me this morning. She said, you've got a tile. It must be bad. Uh, it's, it's not bad, I promise, right? It's not a bad message. Uh, it's not like that at all. Just, just, a, just a little backstory, though, before we read this section in 1 Kings. And I mean a little backstory. This is Elijah the prophet. His life is getting ready to come to an end on this earth. Now, you all know that Elijah, when he uh, left this earth, the Bible says that the chariot of God came and picked him up in a whirlwind and took him to heaven. Right? And so he's getting ready. His life here is getting ready to come to a close. He's done some great things. Uh, he's accomplished a lot for God. Just just a couple chapters before this, he was on Mount Carmel and he was standing in opposition to all the false prophets of Baal. And and and, and he he's the one who called down fire from heaven, right? And the fire came down, licked up the water, right? And all these things. And 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 just after those things happened, he went into a season of depression and loneliness and and, and hurt and. Those things, I could preach on that this morning, but I'm not going to, but those things happen in the life of those that minister to. Depression, loneliness, struggles, uh, difficulties, but God was with him there in those difficulties. God fed him, sustained him, uh, and took good care of him. And now God has told him to go back into the wilderness and, and to do a couple of things. And one of those things is to anoint Elisha as the prophet in his place. And that's where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, it says, So he, he being Elijah, he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Now mantle, just so you know, was what the, the prophets all wore a mantle and it was a, like almost like a thing that went over their shoulder, right? It, it identified them as a prophet, right? And so Elisha, uh, Elijah walked by Elisha and he took his mantle off and put it on him. That would have been a big deal, by the way. And so uh, Elijah uh, did that and Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, Go back again for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment. He gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Let's pray quickly. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for the ears that are listening this morning, the hearts that are ready to receive the seed. Lord, I pray, God, that we would all hear from heaven today, Lord, that we would be humbled by the by the words that are in the scriptures, God, that we would uh, approach them with a the right heart and a right mind. We thank you, God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. But just quickly give you the outline this morning based on those scriptures. First, I want to define ministry for you, and then I hope to show you 
who's called to ministry. And next, I hope to show you the character that's needed for ministry. And, and then we'll see where we go from there. Uh, uh, but, 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 but at least if I can get those things accomplished, I'll, I'll feel like we made it through the majority of what uh, I had for you this morning. I want to combine the first two points, though, and look at what ministry means and who's called into ministry. This is very much a teachy kind of message, so just bear with me, right? This is one that I, I want you to learn and hear, uh, and, and hopefully it'll speak to your heart, but uh, don't, don't get upset if I don't preach it exactly the way that you would want me to, right? Uh, I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what ministry means, right? They, they, they think that ministry means preaching or pastoring or, or some other official church job like teaching or whatever. But the word ministry literally means to serve. That's what ministry means. That's the literal definition of the word. So just like what we read there in our text, Elisha, when Elijah threw that mantle on him, Elisha became Elijah's servant. He was calling him into God's service. And Elisha's first step in ministry would be to serve Elijah. That's his first step, right? That's what he had to do. So when we talk about Christian ministry, what we're really talking about is Christian service. Jesus is the ultimate example of that. He defined it perfectly for us, right? Uh, remember uh, 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 when Christ said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. Right? He was there to serve the Father. Right? He said this in Mark chapter 10. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, right, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen? It's really that simple. To, to minister means to humble ourselves down and be willing to serve. John talked about that this morning as he stood up here about being willing to humble ourselves down, right? So, so we as men, you as women, right? You've got to be willing to humble yourself down to serve, to serve Christ, to serve others, to help others. That's the essence of what ministry is. But we've complicated this through the years. We, 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 we've taken away the simplicity of ministry. We made ministry about something besides service. We made ministry into a job. Uh, uh, we've determined that ministry is for a certain few. We say things like, oh, so-and-so is being called into the ministry. Right? We use that terminology as if they're, 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 they have this special calling. There's a lack of understanding on our part because the truth is every Christian is called in the ministry. If you're a Christian this morning, you have a ministry. You may not be doing it, but you have one. Amen? You see, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. That, that's a fact. That's clearly written in God's Word. I'm going to take you to those scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. He said there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. You see what I'm saying? That's verse 5, by the way. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. He goes on to list out some of those gifts. And then in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, to each one individually as He wills. So, so each believer receives a gift or gifts from the Spirit. Now listen in 1 Peter 4.10. This is what he says. He gives us instruction. He says, For as each one has received a gift, and they, and he says, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each person has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the scripture is very clear. Each believer is given a gift and each believer is called into ministry to use that gift or those gifts that God has given to them. Right? They're to use them to glorify God and to serve Him and to serve others. Am I making sense? Yeah. Alright, so I'm, I'm building up. Right? Uh, how do I find that gift? How, how, how do I know what it is? How do I know, uh, where do I go? Right? Where do I develop my gift? Where do I learn how to use my gift? Where, where do I use it at? 
I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 4 for just a second and answer that question. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. That, listen, it says this. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now this is the next, this is the important part for you. Why do you have pastors and teachers? Why do you have the church the way that God has set it up? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Do you see that there? That, so, so, so the purpose of you being in church is that you can find your gift, you can develop your gift, you can use your gift, you can, you can practice your gift. Right? The church is equipping you for the work of ministry that God has called you into. So whether you realize it or not this morning, each of you in here that are Christians, you're called into ministry. Full-time service for Christ. There's no such thing as a part-time minister. Right? I, I know we use terms today when we talk about pastors. We'll say, well, that's a bivocational. He's got two jobs, two vocations. And, and, and that's true. I, 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 in a sense, I'm a bivocational. I, I pastor this church and I have a secular job outside of this church. But I'm a full-time minister because I'm a full-time Christian. You see what I'm saying? You can't be a part-time minister. This is an essential part of the, of the Christian life. Coming to the place where you realize that Christ has not only given you new life, but He's given you new life and He's gifted you with new gifts and new things that you can use to serve Him and to serve others. A lot of folks just get to the new life part. right? And, and, and that's where it ends for them. But it goes beyond that. Now I'm not going to go into all the gifts uh, that, that believers could have that are listed in the Scripture, but you can study those and identify uh, uh, your gift probably from the Scriptures there. Uh, those things will help you better minister, so I encourage you to do that. But here's what I'm going to assure you of. One day, we're all going to stand before Christ and give an account of how we use that gift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about the, the, it's not an exact uh, match here, but I thought about the parable of the talents. You remember uh, the Bible, Jesus told that parable. And he said, a master went away and he gave each of his servants some talents. Yeah. And, 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 and what they did with those talents, when he came back, he asked them. And some had grown their talents and used their talents to expand the kingdom and do all these other things. And one guy hid his talent. Yeah. Right? He said, I, I, you know, I, I hid mine. I didn't want to lose it. Right? And, and, and the Lord, uh, the master, took that talent from that man and gave it to somebody that would use it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't use the gifts that God gives you, God will raise up another to do what you should be doing. Yeah. That's not an excuse for you not to do. Because you'll have to give account to, to the Lord on that day for it. So, we have to ask, right? Do I spend my time using my gifts to glorify Him? Right? Am I serving others? Am I neglecting my gifts? You see, Paul told Timothy, and another, it's not on the screen, but he told Timothy, if you ever want to look it up, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4. He said, don't neglect the gift that you have. Practice using them. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. It's not, it's not because it's a competition. But you want other people to see you using the gifts that God has given you. Why? Why, why not just keep it a secret? Well, because it encourages them to use their gifts yeah. that God has given to them. So we've complicated this, right? We've, we've made ministry more than service and our own pridefulness. Listen, I, I think we've made ministry into competition. Right? We, we, that, that's, that's pure pride of man. Uh, we're now, instead of partnering with other Christians and partnering with other churches, we're competing with them. That's not, that's not the, what the Lord intended at all. In, in the Christian culture today, we're more focused on numbers. We've turned the ministry of the church into a performance-driven culture. We've made it about quantity instead of quality. What we should be focused on is simply serving God, serving others, making an impact in the kingdom, right? Instead, we're infatuated with how great our ministry is compared to how great everybody else's ministry is. Today, we say things like this. And listen, I'm preaching to me too. Sometimes I have to preach to me. 
We say things like, well, we only had 20 people at Bible study. Yeah. We only had 20 people. Sunday school teachers, right? Because we've tainted ministry, you might find yourself thinking one day, well, I only got one or two kids in my Sunday school class. Youth leaders, you might say to yourself, you might say, well, I've only got a few kids showing up. Pastors, we do this. We say the church just isn't growing. We only have a few that are coming now. We compare ourselves to other churches and mega churches and all these other things. And what happens is we end up discouraged and we and we say, well, it doesn't even really matter. What, what, what I'm doing is not that important. It's not making that big of an impact. It's not, it's not really changing anything. Listen to me this morning. I'm trying to encourage you. Don't measure your ministry like that. If you've got one kid in your Sunday school class, then measure your ministry on how well you love, taught, and discipline that one kid. Right? Measure yourself on, on, on those. If you've got five or six uh, couples that come to Bible study, don't, don't measure yourself and say, I'm a failure. Take those five or six couples and pour your heart into them and disciple them and get them to the place where God can use them. That's success. Uh, that's true for youth ministry, for every other ministry. This is what ministry is all about. If you've got a small congregation, it's okay as long as you're loving them and teaching them and guiding them in truth. It's not about, not everybody's called to write a book. Not everybody's called to pastor a million people. Not everybody's called to have the, the, the Bangladesh youth group or the, or the biggest Sunday school classroom or whatever the case may be. That's not what ministry's about. The question is not how many did you minister to. It's the quality of the ministry and you did to the ones God sent you. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's how you serve those that God has entrusted to you. You see, Jesus had 12 men. He poured Himself into those 12 men. In John chapter 13, verse 1, He said this, He said, Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come, that He should depart from this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. That means to the fullest extent. When he says to the end, that means with all the, the love that he had, he loved them wholly. So, so you know this story that, that goes on in John chapter 13. Uh, that's the, 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 the chapter where they were gathered together and, and they were all, they ate supper and then Jesus rose up from supper and he girded himself with a towel and he filled a basin with water and he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. He served them. He loved them to the, to the fullest extent. Listen, no matter what your ministry is, that should be the testimony that you leave behind. Yes. Right? You loved with all your heart. Yes, amen. You poured yourself into it with all your heart. I think about that night there in the, in the upper room while Jesus was thinking about serving. Do you know what his disciples were doing? In Luke chapter 22, he tells us exactly what they were doing. While he was doing that, there arose a dispute among them as to which should be considered the greatest. Isn't that something? They could have washed feet. They could have done that. They, they, they could have humbled themselves down and served the others. They were too busy arguing over who should be considered the greatest. That's what's happening in Christian ministry today. We're busy like the disciples were on that night wondering who's going to be the highest ranked in the kingdom. Who, who's got the most? Who's got the biggest church? Whose ministry's taken off? Whose preaching video's going viral? Who's got the most popular church? Uh, uh, we're missing uh, what ministry is today. It's love and willingness to serve even in the small things. The smallest of things. You know what's happening today? People have, have a ministry that God has given them and they start thinking, and listen, I've been guilty here, right? I, I told you I, I needed this message for me too, right? But but you start thinking, I, I need to do something else. This isn't working for me anymore, right? This isn't what I should be doing. This isn't big enough. It's not, it's not happening the way I want it to. I just don't feel it anymore, right? I just don't feel this. We need to get back to joyfully serving even in the small things. 
Even if it seems insignificant. We need to use the gifts that God has given us and enjoy the place where God has placed us and give our best effort to serve those that God has given to us. I, I, I want to say this to you this morning. I don't mean it bad. I mean it good, right? There, there are some Christians, and I've been guilty at times in my past of being one of them, who are always asking, what, what should I be doing? Me, what do you think I should do? What should I be doing? What, what should I be doing? Listen, there's tons of opportunities to serve God. They're just not all glamorous. We get caught up in our pride. I, I, maybe I, I, when I say we, I mean me. Get caught up in our pride and we want something big, but it doesn't have to be big. There's an old song. Uh, uh, it says it better than I can. It says, uh, uh, in the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Amen? Listen, I'm not done. There's more. It's a great song. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, for He will not forsake His own. Are you laid aside from service? Your body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. When the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, He will say if we are faithful, welcome home child, well done. Little is much if God is in it. Amen. Little is much. What I'm telling you this morning is, is that it doesn't matter if you have a huge ministry. It doesn't matter if you're called to do the glamorous things. It doesn't matter if your ministry is practically invisible to the rest of the world. It doesn't matter if you don't have a crusade or write a book or make some uh, great impact uh, like some of the, you know, we'd all like to be Spurgeons and Billy Grahams and all these other people. I get it. But your ministry, no matter how small it feels, matters to God and it matters to the ones you're serving. I, I heard a story recently, true story of a Sunday school teacher Right? And he had a preteen class, and he said in his preteen class, he, he was, he was a, like a little testimony video, and he said there was three rowdy boys in that class. And he said I, they never really seemed like they were listening, and he was trying to do an activity with them, and he was trying to teach them that, that, that Jesus cares for you uh, and can help you carry your burdens and your hurts and all those things. And so he had them write down their burdens on a sheet of paper, and then he told them to fold it into an airplane and then they flew those airplanes away. And he was just using an example. And he said, I, I felt like I was never making any impact. But a few years later, one of those boys, those, those rowdy boys, their mom passed away and he went to the funeral. And he said, while he was at the funeral, the, the boy got up and went to the casket and in his hand was an airplane. And he put it on the airplane and he turned around and he looked at his Sunday school teacher and he said, I knew in that moment, he said, I knew that he was thinking, Jesus can help me get through this. He remembered that little lesson. You think you don't make a difference this morning? I want you to know you make a difference. Every kind word, every hug, every meal you cook, every song you sing, every scripture you read, Every minute that you invest in serving someone else matters. It matters. It matters significantly. And listen, for those of you who aren't ministering, I'm not trying to be mean, right? I want to encourage you this morning. Start to use your gifts. Humble yourself down and stop chasing things that don't matter and instead pour yourself into ministry. This is what matters. I like what, oh, you guys have heard it before, what old C.T. Studd said, right? He said, there's only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Think about that this morning. Really think about that. We've defined ministry. We know that all believers, according to the Scripture, all believers are called to ministry without exception. Every single one of us ministers 
We're in the service of other believers, in the service of Christ. And the scripture says, by love, we ought to serve one another. Now I want to show you the, the, the character, the need for character in ministry. And, and you could almost say it's almost like the test of, of a minister, so to speak. I want you to see what's expected in ministry. We read one part of it earlier in 1 Kings 19 when we read there. Let me take you back to 1 Kings 19 and, 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 and Thomas and I focus on verses 20. Go on to the next one, if you will. Uh, this one. After Elijah came and threw his mantle, he said, He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh and using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. First, listen, first thing you need to know is that God, when he told Elijah to go find Elisha, he said he'll be in a place called Abel Mahola. Now that, what that place means is the meadow of dancing. Right, that's the literal translation of that. He was in a good place. He had a comfortable life. His life wasn't bad. He had oxen. They, uh, a, lot of, a lot of commentators and scholars believe that any man that plows with 12 oxen was a very wealthy man. Right, and so, so here was Elisha. He, had, he probably lived a very comfortable life in a very comfortable place. He, had a, he obviously had a family that he was out plowing for. He had a mother and father there that... That he, that he loved very much. But when Elijah threw that mantle on Elisha, Elisha knew what he was being asked to do. So he said to Elijah, he said, let me go kiss my mother and father. Let, 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 let me go uh, do those things. And, and, and he took his oxen that he had and, and he slaughtered them. And, and he took all the equipment, the plow, and all that stuff, and got rid of all that, and he boiled down the meat of the oxen and gave it to all the people, and they all ate. You see, when Elisha found Elisha, he was working, and he was plowing. And I'll just say this uh, this morning, uh, and, and, and it's not really what I meant to preach on, but I'll say it anyway. A lot of times, God calls those that will work. Yeah. See what I'm saying? He was already a good working man. I'd say if he was wealthy, he probably had servants that could have plowed the field. But he was still plowing the field. But nevertheless, uh, uh, he was plowing. He knew that he would have to let go of all these things. Mother and father and, and fields and, and, and oxen and plows and, and comfortable and, and the meadows of dancing and all these things. He'd have to walk away from all those things and trust the Lord. You see, being in ministry, and all Christians are in ministry, means a lot of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Surely you can see the similarities here between Elijah taking that mantle and throwing it on Elisha and Jesus coming to Peter and saying, lay down your nets and follow me. <laughs> Peter had a, a comfortable way of life. A, a way that he was comfortable with. Right? I'm not saying it was easy, but Peter knew fishing. Right? And so that was what Peter was comfortable with. Elisha knew where he was and he was comfortable there. But when Christ came and, and, and pecked Peter on the back there and said, Hey, come and follow me. He knew that meant i got to lay down everything else and follow this man. Christians today would do well to remember that when you're called to become a Christian, that means laying down your life and following him. We're, what we try to do so often is we try to hold on to a part of our life and add Him in. It's not what He calls us to do. He doesn't say, add me to your life. He says, He said, forsake all and follow me. Let it all go and follow me. You say, gosh, well, you wouldn't have anything. Oh, no, you have everything. You have Christ. You have everything. See, here, here's, here, I don't know how to say it different. Being in ministry may mean that sometimes we have to sacrifice our time. I can tell you that it does mean that. It comes with a cost, right? And I know time is a precious thing. We only get so much of it, right? 
But it, but, but it might mean that we have to sacrifice some of that time to do the work of the kingdom. Being in ministry might mean we have to sacrifice our finances or our comfort or our safety at times. Guys, there are people today that end up sacrificing their very life. They still, there's still people today dying for the gospel. Yeah. You see, here, here's the truth. If you aren't willing to sacrifice, you aren't ready to minister. Amen. If you're not ready to minister, you aren't where you need to be in your walk with Christ. This is the calling, brother. This is the calling. When God called you, He didn't just call you so that you could enjoy Him forever. That's a part of it. But He also called you as a laborer. He also called you into the work of the ministry. This is your calling. The scripture says that you should make your calling and election sure. Like the author of Hebrews said in a time, he looked around and he saw a church, he said in a time when you ought to be teachers, you have need to be taught again. We need to be growing in maturity as Christians. We need to be growing. And you see there's this test of sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice some things for ministry for the sake of serving Christ and serving others? That's the cost. The Bible says, let a man count up the cost and see if he be able to finish before he starts to build. Before you start a ministry, count up the cost and say, am I able to see this through? Right? Don't, don't start to build and then walk away from it. Let me tell you the next step. It's the test of devotion. Here's, here's the next, the, 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 the amazing thing I should say, maybe instead. Right? The next six years, Elisha quietly served Elijah. Six years. Nothing else is recorded about him. He just quietly ministered. He learned, he watched, he followed. Can I say something about that this morning? We need not to be too prideful to learn. Amen? Amen. That goes for me and goes for all of you too. You, 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 you don't always have to be the leader. Right? Sometimes it's okay if you're not. Right? Ministry is not about being in charge. It's about serving. We're, we're blessed in our church. We have, a, we have a, 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 a good opportunity because we've got a lot of new Christians and we've got a lot of mature Christians. We've got a good mix. New Christians, you need to take the opportunity to learn from some of the more mature Christians. Right? Don't jump in headlong and, 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 and think that you're, you're ready to, to lead in everything. Be willing to be Elisha and follow sometimes. Right? Same, listen, that same truth is true uh, uh, when we talk about experience and age. Listen, there's, the, I, I, I've learned over the years, right, there's a lot of things we can learn from older people. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. A lot of things we can learn from them. A lot of things that we can take from them, right? And so we ought to be willing to learn. We have to be willing to learn. But then we get into 2 Kings chapter 2. This is where I want to show you this test of devotion. 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm a little all over the place today. I know that. 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven. Now the six, six years that went by here, that's what they think roughly, have went by. And Elijah is about to be taken into heaven by a whirlwind. He said, It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now I could read on there in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 2 because that happens three more times. And so we're at the end of Elijah's life and God's going to take him up. And, 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 and I'm going to segue again. I'm scattered this morning. But I read a commentary and I wanted you to hear it. I thought this was important. It said Elijah knew that God had a dramatic plan for the end of his earthly life. He knew he was going to be taken up. Yet he was perfectly willing to allow it to take place privately. Without anyone else knowing. The prophet's evident desire to die alone should shame us when we remember how eager we are to tell men by every available medium of what we're doing for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That's convicting. Yeah. That's convicting. But you see here that Elijah says, let me go on alone. And what does Elisha say? No. 
No, I'll not leave you. Three times that happens. Three times. This is a test of his devotion to his calling. To what God had instructed him to do. It was God that called Elisha. Not Elijah. And his calling, Elisha understood what God was calling him to do. His beginning of his ministry was to serve Elijah. And he was not going to not do that even if Elijah didn't want him to. He was going to obey God rather than man. You see where I'm going here? I can tell you this morning, if you want to be used by God, you need to be devoted to what God is calling you to do. Be devoted to it. You can't quit just because it's hard. You can't quit ministry because someone tells you you should or because you're not feeling it anymore or because you don't want to be dedicated to it anymore. Ministry is devotion. This was the test of Elisha. Is he really devoted? If you go into ministry with these big plans and when they don't materialize, you quit, you're not trying to build God's kingdom. You're trying to build your kingdom. Ministry isn't about how much recognition we get. It's really not about us at all. It's about faithful service to a loving God and meeting the needs of those around us. Amen? Yeah. It can be done quietly. It's not always glamorous. It certainly isn't always fun. It's often difficult. It's often hard. It's often hurtful at times. It's all kinds of things. But you don't get to just quit. You see what I'm saying this morning? I'm trying to tell you the character of a minister now. Right? I've I, I told you that you are a minister. I've proven that to you in the scriptures. You have a gift. You are a minister. Now I'm trying to tell you the character that you should have in your ministry. You won't do it perfectly. You'll make mistakes. I've I quit ministries before. I'm just being honest with you. I've I, I laid down things before. When it was hard and complicated and, and I didn't want to fool with it anymore, I've had the, the mind to do that. There's been times since I pastored here that I've thought about quitting. I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. Not because of anything anybody did, just because it was me. Right. Me and my flesh. Me, you know, thinking I, I, I don't know, this ain't, this ain't going the way that I think it should go. This ain't everything that happened the way I think it should happen. And so when it's not happening that way, what's the first reaction is? I'm out. Right? Yeah. But that's not the that's not ministry is faithfulness. Yeah. It's devotion. I, I hear of so many uh, 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 pastors today. Every two or three years, uh, this this church will say, "We got a new pastor. We got a new pastor." I didn't know how to pastor in two years. <laughs> Had no idea how to pastor in two years. I'm still learning how to pastor. It's been ten years for me. I'm still trying to figure out what it all to do. I don't see how they figure it out in two years and then figure out they want to leave it. <laughs> see, I had made a commitment. God opened this door for me and I committed to it. It was my responsibility. You understand that? That's what we're lacking nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about in life. I'm talking about us in general. Uh, our, our kids, we're not training. I'm not, I'm not, when I say we, I don't mean you all. I just mean in general as a society. We're not training them to have any responsibility. There, there's no responsibility. No devotion. Look at marriages today. Just, just throw it out if it don't work. Just, just quit. There's no devotion. Even though you stood before God and, and said for better or worse, in sickness and health, for richer or poorer, we're just done with it now, see? I know that's hard. I know there's extenuating circumstances. I know the Bible makes uh, a, kind of a condition for some extenuating circumstances there. But what I'm saying to you is we're a society that's scared to death of devotion and commitment and responsibility. People, when they join the church, they'll say, this is, this is where I really feel like the Lord wants me to be, and I'm going to dig in here. Man, I can't wait to be a part of this church. And then gone. They show up ever so often. Yeah. Right? And, and as they show up, they, 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 they don't mean no harm. They don't, they, and I know they're not, I've been there, I've done that, I've, I've thought those things before to say, kind of felt those same ways. I'm not trying to beat anybody up this morning. That's not the point of this message. But there's a sense of responsibility that we should have. Right. I think that's why a lot of people won't join the church. Yeah. They're scared to death of the responsibility. 
Right? They, they, they're scared to death to say, listen, I, you know, I, I don't want anybody to, to hold me accountable. I don't want to be responsible to do these things or to be there. I like to float in and float out when I want and do the things that I want. But listen, we need to be willing to make commitments. We need to be willing to be devoted to something. Elisha knew that he was called to go, called by God to go with Elijah. It didn't matter how many times Elijah said, just leave me. The answer was no. No. We need to have that kind of attitude. I'm not giving up. You see, Elisha went on to follow Elijah all the way to the end. And in verses 9 through 11 in 2 Kings chapter 2, it says this, And so it was when they had crossed over, they finally went to the last place that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Amen. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yeah. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, the horses of fire, and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Surely you could see the similarities here between Elijah's ascension and the ascending Christ in the New Testament. What did the angel say as Christ ascended there? All the disciples, a great crowd was gathered around and Jesus began to ascend and the angel of the Lord came and he said, Why stand you gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see ascending today will come again in like manner. Right? In other words, don't stand here and wait. Go after it now. What did Christ tell them in John 14, 12 through 14? He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Just like Elisha was going to do greater things than Elijah. He said, greater things. He said, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, now you have this power. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Think about that. Anything in my name. You see the similarities? There's this devotion. There's this, there's this faithfulness. And now there's the reward for this faithfulness. Right? The fact that you walk out your ministry, listen, it won't be a smooth ride. I could go on to tell you about the places that Elijah and Elisha went there on those last uh, days of Elijah's life. Some of the roads were smooth. Some of them were rocky. Some of them were dangerous, the places they went. But nevertheless, Elisha never didn't go. He always went. He went with Elijah all the way to the end. That was his ministry. What's yours? What's your ministry this morning? What is it that God has you to do in His kingdom? What is it that God... You say, well, I just don't know. I've been trying to figure it out. Well, there's tons of things that are needs. Tons of things that are needed. But here's my caution to you. Whatever you go into, be willing to go into it with your whole heart. Half-hearted ministry won't work. It's about the equivalent of half-hearted Christianity. It just doesn't work. You've got to be all in. All in. Pouring yourself into a ministry. Willing to, to make the sacrifices. Willing to be devoted even when it's hard. Willing to think. I can tell you about how as they went along the way, even though Elisha said he wouldn't leave him, every town that they went to between there and the moment that the, that the chariot of fire came, uh, there was somebody in town that told Elisha, you do know that your master is leaving, don't you? And he said, yeah, I know. There's always going to be people there to discourage you. Yeah. I, I, I've never had a time in ministry when there's not somebody there to tell me something wrong. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But thank God for those people too. They test our faith. They test our patience, our resolve, our willingness to go on and to plug ahead. But don't go half-hearted. If Elijah had been a half-hearted man, he would have quit. He would have said, all right, Elijah, see ya. 
I got other things to do. I'll go back to the meadows of dancing. I'll get the plow and the oxen back out. Looks like things are over. But you know what he got instead? Something much better than a plow and oxen. Something much better than a comfortable life. He got a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. And if you want that kind of relationship with God, you've got to have the same mentality that Elijah had. Does that make sense to you today? I hope so. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Been a strange message. I knew it would be. Nothing else, you can go home and you can think, I need to know more about Elijah and Elisha. You can read. Here's what I want you to know more than anything else. What I preach to you today doesn't matter if you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have a ministry without that. If you want to, if you want to, uh, 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 to have a, a ministry, if you want to have a, a, a relationship with God, if you want to be reconciled with God, you have to come through Christ and Him alone. There's no other way. There's no other way for a person to be saved other than through the name of Jesus. You've got to come through the blood of Christ. Christ died for your sins. The gospel's not an afterthought. It's the main thought. Christ died for your sins. That means today... Your sins can be forgiven. Your sins today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. Well, you've heard it. We've read the Word of God. You've heard the voice of God speaking to you today. Maybe not audibly, but, but deep in your heart, you know this morning that there is a God. You know that there is. The fact that you're alive, the fact that, that the world is spinning, the fact that everything is working the way that it is, 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 is a testimony that there is a God. You better get right with this God. You say, well, I think this God loves me just as I am. This God loves you in Christ. If you remain in sin, you are separated from this God. Your sins have separated. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. But today, the veil can be torn in your life. And you can come into the presence of God through Christ. That's the only way. As we bow our heads for a moment this morning, just want to ask you this question. Is there any, any Christian, non-Christian, believer, unbeliever, is there any that need to come to these offers today to pray? Maybe to pray and ask about a ministry. Maybe to, maybe to pray and ask about a, 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 a help for strength in your ministry. Whatever the need may be. It doesn't matter. You say, well, you didn't preach on what I needed to hear. Okay, come to the altar and talk to God about what you need. And that's okay. 